This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Hello there, howdy, and hey there, everybody. It's Ginger Minge with another fabulous edition of Local Queen, where we use our platform to celebrate and uplift those voices of all of your favorite local entertainers. Because remember, your local queens are your hometown sheroes. And I am so excited today because I get to talk to somebody not only that I have known for probably like 15, 16 years at this point, but somebody that is my own drag flesh and blood, my drag daughter, the winner of season two of Camp Wonka Titty. Camp Wonka YouTube smash sensation, Tora Hyman. How are you, honey? I'm good. How are you? Long time no see. I know. You're kind of fuzzing out there on the screen a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm plugged in, like into the wall even. It's a beauty filter. <laughs> I look better this way. <laughs> it's one of those uh, those new Snapchat things. Girl, you know, I, I am not always known for my um, my tech savvy. So it takes me a while to get on the Snapchat. Now that everybody's moving away from it, I'm getting the hang of it. But I was yeah, looking so through I love the... Well, I was going, well, the TikToks are a different story. We'll talk about that in a second. But I'm going through all these filters on um, Snapchat going, who wants to look like this? <laughs> this oh, I know the girl, the girl with the up, like, curly up hair with a little head wrap and the glasses. Have you seen yeah. that filter? Yes. And I was like, well, this is just Roxy Andrews at uh, Pride oh! Parade. Truth. Have truth. you seen Roxy Andrews at a Pride Parade? Yes, or every Orlando girl at a Pride Parade. Well, yeah, we call it the brunch face, you know, where you put on the lip and the, the, the foundation, you contour from, like, the cheekbone down, and mm-hmm. then you just wear big old sunglasses and a head wrap. Yep, that's it. And, like, a big <laughs> flowy gown where you're not wearing any padding underneath. Yeah, well, you wouldn't need to, you know. I am here rocking my brand new from iHoney. This is the Ginger Minge. It's one of, of three different styles. It's the Ginger Minge Reversible All-Star Six Crown. So, like, what? this one has this beautiful... Um, it's, like, holographic. Holographic. And then you can reverse it, what? and it's all of my Ginger Minge no. All-Star Six looks. My looks. I, so you can wear it like I this. this. I want one. You can get them at iHoney. So I, honey. before I went to go and um, record, record, gosh, I sound so old today. It's because I've been a little under the weather. I had Aww. to take the DeLorean to the doctor. Um, 
whenever uh, I was getting ready to go and film All Star Six, I was trying to figure out my uh, my confessional look. So I was like, oh, you know what? I want to keep this whole frog uh, princess kind of thing going, this glamour toad thing. So I went on to Etsy and I found that crown, that little like cardboard looking crown. And I wore it and I loved it. And then all of a sudden people just connected with it to the point where like three weeks into All Star 6 airing, um, we contacted them and said, hi, we'd like to buy another one of those crowns to give away as like a, a, a prize for this online contest we're doing. Okay. And they said, well, we'd love to, but since you wore it on TV, we've been sold out. What? Yeah, and I guess every time they got in a batch, it would sell out immediately. So we collabed and we came out with the Ginger Minch All-Star Six Crown. It I comes love in it. holographic gold, it comes in matte gold, and it also comes in a, like a beautiful leather black. And they're all Ooh. reversible with my All-Star Six looks. Yeah, I like the faces. That's cute. Yeah, the mini faces of Ginger Minch. <laughs> to the crown. <laughs> Yes, is the only crown that'll ever (laughs) fit me. You looked great all season. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You You looked great all season two of Camp Wanakiki, which (laughs) you you slayed. I do want to say Camp Wonkatitty. For those of you who don't know what that is, we were (laughs) doing a digital pride fest for Orlando during quarantine, and Darcel Stevens, who is a local legend, former Miss, Miss National at Large, former Miss Continental Plus. Footlight players, like extravaganza extraordinaire at the Parliament House for years and years. Anyway, she was trying to read this card, and I guess her denture slipped or something. And she said, oh, from Camp Wonka Titty, we have Tara He-Man. Okay, can I tell a story? Tell it. So, like a week ago, maybe, I was hosting, I host bingo every Friday night at Sawmill, the campground, like an hour from Orlando. And I show up, and all of a sudden I hear Darcel's voice. And I was like, what, what is she doing here? Okay. She comes in. She's like, I'm, I'm hosting bingo with this, with this Tory Heeman, this Tory Heeman I'm hosting. And I was like, well, it's me. I'm, I'm Tora Hyman. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. So we get out there and I introduce her. She comes out and she does her number. She sits down and she's like, all right, Tori, what should the entire hour and a half bingo? She never called me Tora Hyman once. <laughs> That's fine. She called me Ginger Ming for probably 15 years. Oh my god. Yeah, She's a I, was like, I am not a vase. <laughs> I am not a dynasty. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Although I like uh, Minge is becoming a dynasty at it this is. point. You know, I I've got several of you drag goblins running around <laughs> doing me proud. I love I know it everywhere. So, I know we, we as as anybody who listens to this podcast frequently knows, um, we derail quite frequently, and we don't jump back on the tracks. We just keep riding it off into the sunset. Uh, my life. So now we will circle back around and introduce you to <laughs> our listeners. Um, so, so Tora Hyman, um, I know you and I have known each other for a while, but I would love for you to kind of give the Reader's Digest version of who you are and what you do to our listeners. Okay, I'm Tora Hyman. I am a curvy glamping queen. Like I'm camp and I'm kind of glamorous at the same time. I love sparkle and I'm based in Orlando, Florida. And I am the drag goddess daughter of the one and only Ginger Minch. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's what there it says on the, uh, the drag race kiki.com thing. <laughs> what? Oh, what have is you this never talked about? 
Oh, have you never been on your like drag race wiki.com page? I didn't know this existed. I told you, Nana's not real good with the, the technology. Oh, okay. So you know what Wikipedia is? Yes, I okay. know that every time I log on to Wikipedia, it asks me for two ninety nine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like this little blurb at the top that's like, hey, <laughs> if you're scrolling through, you know, we'd love to get $2.99 from you. Oh, like, I didn't know Wikipedia, that. I don't remember you coming to my show and tipping me. <laughs> well, there's a Drag Race version of that website. So it has every drag platform ever. And yours is on there. And then I'm on there because of Camp Wanakiki. And then it like literally says, winner of season two, daughter of Ginger Minge. And then it has all of your stuff. <laughs> well, look at that. I will always be with you, my child. You're like herpes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And like glitter, you know, yeah. neither of them ever go away. No, nope, not at all. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about how we met because it's kind of an interesting story. We met before either one of us even dabbled in drag. Oh, yeah, we were like... We were the little thin gay boys in New York City. We were going to be on Broadway. That's right. I had had seven callbacks for Mark Cohen (laughs) in year 597 of Rent on Broadway. And every single time they brought me in, they would go, oh, you're so great. But are you sure you're only five foot four? And I was like, yes, I'm five foot four. And at that point, I was like... I don't know, like 22 or whatever. And yeah. I was like, I'm not going to grow anymore. I can guarantee you. So they called me the final time. And we were working at the Lion King on Broadway. Okay, and they I remember called that. me right after, like, when the show started, you know how we'd have our lunch break at that point. Right. They called, and I was sitting with Jillian. Oh, I love Jillian. I was sitting with Jillian and Magali. And <laughs> Get your Pumbas. And I sat there and I got a phone call and it was uh, the casting agency for rent. And I answered it and I said, I'm still five foot four and hung up. No. They never called me back. Uh, Well, that show is closed, so it's all right. Look at you now. But that tells you how long ago this was. Because that show's been closed for a minute. We were in the Lion King's original home, too. Yeah. So my last week with Lion King was whenever we moved from the New Amsterdam into the Minskoff. Yeah. And, and I stayed I with it a little out. bit after. You did. You moved to Orlando, right? I did. I went back home to Orlando. It was just supposed to be temporary, but I got home and I was like, you know what? I'm just not enjoying New York like I was. So I think I'm going to stay here because it's cheaper. <laughs> and look at you now. And look at me now. I, I got it. into drag uh, not too long after that. And you got in drag similar kind of to how I did too, right? Yeah. Well, you got in drag because I made you. That's true. I played Sue Sylvester at one of your uh, your Broadway nights. And I was yeah. like, oh, who is she? Who is this Glamazon? <laughs> so I was working as a team lead for merchandising for The Lion King on Broadway. And Matthew, who is uh, Tora's twin brother... Yeah, we're Um, we're using the government name today. (laughs) So uh, Matthew got hired as one of our team members, uh, and it was literally we were made up of all of the uh, the misfits who the musical theater misfits, yeah, who just so badly wanted to be a part of Broadway, (laughs) but we we had to find a way to do it. Nars was selling Simba dolls for ten dollars an hour. Yeah, or if. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I got yeah. hired, it was eight forty-five an hour. <gasps> and by the time I worked myself up to team lead, I was making like a dollar more than y'all were. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and I was working had, like, so many hours. It wasn't even like selling Pumbas and stuff. We had the largest retail store on Broadway. It yeah. was huge. Like it was an apartment. Yeah. And we had to come in every day. Well, the team leads did. We had to come in every single day and count every piece of merchandise, including those crusty ass, nasty, stale Pumbaa and Timon cookies. <gasps> the cookies you could play hockey with. They were so disgusting. Yeah. And those kids would always buy them. And you're like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. you? Oh, don't try to upsell me something else. My kid wants this. Okay, yeah. but I hope you yeah. got a dental plan. Oh, I mean, they were rock hard. They were so hard and so gross. And if you wanted Lion King in any, the album or the soundtrack, if you wanted it in Japanese or German or yeah. whatever, we had it. Well, and it wasn't just The Lion King. We also had all of the other Disney on Broadway shows. And uh, beyond that, because we had the German stuff from Hunchback. Yeah, on the record was there. Yeah, we had every uh, language of Aida that existed at that point, every language of Beauty and the Beast, every language of like, it was a lot of stuff. And we had to take care of it all day, every day. And then we'd have those tour groups that came through. Oh, the tour groups. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in in retrospect, yes, we were always drag queens just dying to get out because we would love to put on, like, the co- we had all, it was like a museum, too, so we had all the costumes and stuff from the, the oh, Broadway yeah. production. I had the Simba headpiece on, the Mufasa headpiece on, like... Oh, we used to throw them all on all the time, all the Sarabis, everything, mm-hmm. and just put on the soundtrack and dance around. <laughs> That's what we in did Japanese. past the time. So, I'm like, yeah, in hindsight, we were already queening out there. Oh, yeah. But... It wasn't until I moved back to Orlando that I really kind of stumbled into it through theater. I got into drag through theater um, and got cast in this drag role. And anybody who has ever been a drag queen and a working performer, like a working actor, will tell you acting is your passion, but drag is where the money is. Oh my gosh. So that's like my favorite thing about tour is I finally can afford everything I've always wanted, pretty much. Yeah, and we can finally play the roles that we always wanted to play. Like, I didn't want to be jacking into the woods for a fifth time. I wanted to be <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood. Exactly. I, <laughs> so I love in it. Drag, there's no rules. We can do all those things. Yeah. But it wasn't until I did that show. It was at the Fringe Festival. It was called Boys, Boys, Boys. It wasn't a great show, but it was fun for me because I got to be in drag and do this like whole different thing. Worked my ass off for months doing performance after performance after performance after performance. And it was a new show. So, you know, we were always having put in rehearsals and trying to fix things that were not right in the show and da, 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 da. And then at the end of it, I think I got like a $500 stipend for the whole three month long commitment. Then Darcel Stevens came with Gidget Galore and Chantel Roche to the show and asked me if I wanted to come to Parliament House and do Uh like, like a, a tipping spot or something. What? I walked out of there after, what, two hours of work? I walked out of there with the same amount of money that I got for three months of busting my pad yeah. ass. Yeah. So I was like, oh, there's something to this drag thing. Not only is it fun and freeing, it yeah. can also possibly pay my bills. Yeah. It's so amazing. then I got into it and I, I took off pretty quickly, which was nice. It was not expected, but it was very nice. And we started Bananas Diner. It was Addison Taylor, Alicia Markstone, D- Lady Deception, and myself. And we did uh, all these themed nights. So every Thursday, 
Okay. No, every Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Tuesday. It was yeah. Tuesdays at Bananas Diner. We started um, our musical theater night. It was like Broadway night, <laughs> but most of the time it molded LA, like melted into Glee because that was so big back oh, then. It was always Glee. Always, always Glee. Yeah. And there was something that went down with the show director for that night that they ended up pulling out the night before. And it all fell down on me because, like, Danielle Hunter, who was the overall show director, called right. me up on the phone. It was like, girl, um, they've pulled out, so I need you to pull together uh, the rest of the cast and figure out something for tomorrow. So I'm sitting down and I'm like, hmm, who can I call at this <coughs> late of a notice with no budget? to figure this out. And I was like, oh, Matthew is in town now. Cause you had just moved there. I just moved. Yeah. And then we had sat down. You met me at bananas. When I got out, I was when I was managing the overnight shift. I oh, got out of right. that and we sat and had breakfast together. Cause you were ah. like, talk to me about drag. I think I would like to try it. I so, forgot all about this. Mother never forgets. Her name, Continue. Yes. I'm enjoying my story. Her iPhone <laughs> password all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot so, all about um, I It was like a week or two before that we had had this conversation. And I sat down and I went, ooh, well, I know that Matthew can sing and dance and act, you know, musical theater like me. I know that we worked well together because we had worked together for uh, Lion King for so long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me give him a call and see if he's up for it. Right, and then you were like, "Yes, can I bring my my roommate Charlie?" <laughs> I and I'm like, "Yeah, I bring the more the merrier. Let's put on a show." And it really became this ragtag bunch of musical theater misfits putting on whatever costumes we could get our hands on, whatever makeup we could afford, and twirling through those tables at Bananas Diner week after week after week. And it was so much fun through those tables. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your side of that story? Uh, All I remember is sitting in the chair and you putting the makeup on me for the first time as Sue Sylvester. And I mean, she's not like that glamorous, but I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm beautiful. For the first time, I was like, yes, this is everything I've always dreamed of. You know, from the little chubby boy in the woods. I was like, I feel gorgeous. And I just remember being praised for being feminine for the first time. And I was like, this is me. So the like the very first moment it all clicked into place. Mm-hmm. Before you know, Keala settled, you were like, "This is me." I did. I was the original. Yeah, <laughs> the OG bearded lady. Ah, oh, right. The truth. Yeah. And so, did you jump right into drag after that, and 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 kind of like wrote it out, or was there time between that and your next foray? I mean, I dabbled in it, but I never got booked anywhere because I obviously wasn't. You know, I wasn't polished and I didn't have the money to buy a nice costumes and et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't have the experience. So that was like 2012, 13-ish. And so I just kept going, kept going. And then I got tried to get more gigs and I was getting gigs. And I met a woman named Beth and I was doing shows with her. And it started getting a little stronger, a little stronger. And then I was like, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do a pageant. So then I did a pageant in 2019, which I know is not that long ago. But um, but after pa- quarantine, doesn't it feel like 27 years ago? Yes, it feels like ages. Yeah. Like, I don't remember anything past quarantine. No. Well, and I think particularly like um, for us, for those of us who do drag, you know, it we were doing it online. We were finding other outlets. 
yeah. to do it. So when you have that much time on your hands, you're just sitting in the mirror going, let me try something new. Yeah. Let me watch a tutorial and then put this on my face. Yes. I mean, <laughs> before quarantine, I was like just black um, eye, eyeshadow and stuff because I'm colorblind. So during quarantine, I said, that's it. We're buying palettes with color and we're going to experiment and play with color to see how it looks on my face. And then how do you find that, like, being colorblind? I thought this was so interesting um, when you did start doing drag, especially when we did the Christmas tour together oh. a couple years ago. Because <laughs> yeah. Christmas colors are red and green. And I'm red-green colorblind. Yeah. So, like, what does that mean for you? So, I'm assuming I don't know how to blend it well. So, like, I can read the the color palette, but it doesn't say red. It says, you know, like, Aguamente or all these stupid names for any <laughs> eyeshadow color. So, I'm like... Well, this looks cranberry red. crush. Like literally, and I'm like, oh, we're so wet. I'm like, well, I don't know what color we're so wet is. <laughs> so I just started playing with it, and I was like, this looks close to the dress. We'll just get up there, and then my roommate Charlie will be like, nope, that's green. That's not red, or stuff like that. So I'll take pictures and send it to my mom, and be like, is this red? It's always a hard no. <laughs> so what does red and green look like to you? Do they look like two different colors, or do they look the same? Sometimes they look exactly the same. I'm partial. So it's either going to look cherry red to me or it's going to look green or it's going to look brown um, or in the same way with green. Like the, it mixes. The, for some reason, I can't distinguish them. And like sometimes purples, some blues I can't distinguish. Like the, my eye makeup today, I'm it's either blue or purple or a little bit of both. I'm not sure. It's a passionate purple. Thank you. I was get, trying to get that Ursula realness for you. It looks fantastic. I love it. Um, Okay, so that's so interesting to me because, like, as drag queens, makeup, of course, is a big part of the job. And I I have enough issues as it is being able to fully see the colors that are in front of me, Mm -hmm. trying to decide what goes where and what blends with what. It's never been my strongest suit. So I couldn't imagine to add being colorblind on top of that. I generally just ask people, I'm like, does this go with this? Does this? And if, if they say yes, I'll put it on my face. Yeah. It so works, far, so good. So far, so good. Can't complain. <laughs> so what was your very first, like, your big break in drag? Um, probably my very first pageant in 2019. I won Miss Rose Dynasty 2019 in February. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I, had, I guess I'd done a little bit of touring with you we did orlando and milwaukee just a couple months prior to that and that was kind of like okay and then i won the pageant in 2019 early and i was like oh my gosh i finally have won something i've done something i'm getting recognized and that same month the auditions for um camp wanakiki were rolling around and so i won and like two weeks later i got a call saying hey do you want to be on season two and i was like oh my gosh this is happening okay and so I went and filmed Camp Wanakiki uh, a couple months later. And that, I was, I came back and I was like, this is it. I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the way, though? You go off and you do something you're so passionate about. And you're like, I did good. Yeah. This is it. People are going <laughs> to finally pay attention. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's yep. time and they go. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Literally the cast rolled out. I think it was like leaked on Reddit or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, all the Instagram followers are coming. Two, just two of them. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, I see you. 
But it's also very weird because you and I went on the Christmas tour of the year after that. We did yeah. like a full international Christmas tour. Right. And we were in Hawaii at a mall of oh all gosh. places. Yeah. Remember, we went to the mall. We were going to go to Pearl Harbor. Oh, that's right. But you broke your phone. I did. I did. It just stopped working in the bathtub. It, well, you shouldn't put it in the bathtub. <laughs> Taking them dirty pictures. Ah, all those bubble baths. Do you remember the bubble bath? I sure do. So but nice. so this one wakes up and she's broken her phone after I slaved over that hot stove <laughs> making <laughs> mac and cheese, craft mac and cheese, uh-huh. uh, and dinosaur nuggets that we served out of wine glasses. <laughs> do you remember that? That was my favorite thing about that whole tour. Because we were on like this amazing like high rise overlooking Honolulu, like lap of luxury. And then all of a sudden we're just having chicken uh, nugget dinosaurs and mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. People with, they're like, Oh, Ginger, she's so bougie. No, she's not. <laughs> she's really not. You can take the girl out of the trailer. You cannot take the trailer out of the girl. Yeah. yeah Cause we went shopping just down the, the street and we just came back and had a little lunch and my phone stopped working and we went yeah. to the mall. Yeah, and you were like, uh, would you mind if we didn't go to Pearl Harbor? We had we like find a mall so I can go get my phone replaced before the next stop. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. I love to shop. Let's go shopping. Oh. So we go to this outdoor mall, which the most amazing mall. Amazing. Yeah. But for two little butterballs like us, we were so winded. <laughs> we, we stuck up out and down too. the stairs. And we only saw like half of this mall. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what mall it was, but do you remember like we would walk up two flights of stairs and we'd get there and be like, <sighs> yeah. <sighs> and, and it was like, like, Oh no, the Apple stores on the other side. Yeah. I was like, just give me your phone. I don't care. Ah, it was true. That thing was huge. It was huge. Um, but we were in the Morphe store. Yeah. Buying makeup sponges before our next gig. Yeah. And, People came up and they were like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, Ginger, we love you so much. Da, 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 da. And they looked at you and said, oh, Tora, we're so excited that you won Camp Wanakiki. We really loved you on the season. And was that like, was what? such a proud mom moment for me. I was like, oh, my baby's doing things. <laughs> I know, they were, were from New Zealand. They weren't even from Hawaii. No, they were just there on vacation. Yeah, and I was like, people know who I am in New Zealand? Right? It's crazy. Isn't that weird? Yes. So weird. It they never, don't know who it, I am in Orlando. <laughs> it never stops being weird, though. Ever. I, I agree with that. So, uh, I was in... It was right after Dumplin' had come out, and I was in Auckland, New Zealand. And we it, it was me and Janine and Kidamine who won oh. season one of Down Under. I love her. I love her. We've been friends for years. She used to open for me every time I was in Australia or New Zealand. Um, and she had brought me over to do my Christmas show over there with Janine that year. So we're at this like weird theme park that should probably be like condemned. It was so what? old and rickety crickety. And Janine and I went on this log flume ride. And, you know, you go through this waterfall and it's supposed to stop. It didn't. It just drenched us. It was like no. it was terrible, but it was so much fun. Um, we were playing like a dart game, okay. uh, like one of these carnival games. Okay. And the the girl starts like crying and shaking and freaking out over me. Yes. And I was like, oh, she's like, are you? Are you? I was like from RuPaul's Drag Race. She said, 
no, I've never seen that. Dumplin? And I was like, Dump, like, you recognize me from Dumplin? What? It was, that was like the coolest thing for me because it has, it, it's never gotten less weird and cool to be recognized in different places, but I have gotten used to being recognized for Drag Race. Sure. Just because it's, you know, I've been on it three times. It's become such a big cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it's huge. But for other projects, it's nice when people connect with me through there. Yeah. You I mean, know, like, an amazing movie. It is, but it had just come out, so I didn't even know what, like, the long-lasting effects of that movie would be. Okay. It, it was just, it was so, like, it really warmed my heart. Um, speaking of warming my heart, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our sponsors. They have fire-starting kits for your heart. So, no. <laughs> They're fabulous. You'll love them. We'll be back in just a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Uh, make sure you go and support that sponsor of ours because they are fantastic. I'm okay. here to tell you. They, they're just wonderful. <laughs> and I'm not saying that just because they pay me. Oh, you get paid? Mm, that's like community service, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you go on Camp Wanakiki. Yeah. What was that experience like? Because I, I'm assuming it's much like Drag Race in the sense that you get to the end and you don't know who won until it airs. Yeah, we filmed three different endings. So I obviously, if you don't know, um, well, I won. We've already said that. So yeah. we filmed three separate endings. Or no, four. There was the top four. My, I don't even remember the season. I apologize. We filmed four <laughs> separate uh, endings. And mine was last. And when I know when they were filming it, it just... It felt so real. I know we had filmed other endings, but I was the last ending to film. And I was just looking around the room and I had this like outer body experience of like, this is it. You, you look, you did it. You, this is it. You won. It's, it's yours, blah, 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 blah. And it was so, I don't know. It was hard to explain, but, um, so I drove home and was on cloud, you know, 80 and all of a sudden that was what may, and I didn't find out I won until October when it was airing. Uh-huh. And you were there when I won. And I think you uh-huh. guys knew even before I knew. I did not. Oh, okay. I, no, <clears throat> somebody at our table had oh. scrolled up ahead. It was like, I know who won. I said, you better shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm going to watch it with the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, what a day. And then, um, yeah, so we filmed multiple endings. And uh, we did the entire season. I think we shot in two weeks with no days off in like 40 degree weather in Wisconsin. Yeah, what was that like? Freezing, because you're up at like 5 a.m. That We're all sleeping in one big cabin in like the middle of the woods. The bathroom is like a five-minute walk down this little hill. So you have to get up without waking any of the other queens or performers up. You grab your little like shower kit, put a robe on, you stroll down with a little bit of eyeshadow still on your face. <laughs> you get in the shower, and it's a boys and girls club. So the showers are built for five-year-olds, not drag queens <laughs> or drag kings. And you're standing there and you close the little rusty, I'm not even joking, rusty shower curtain and it doesn't even close. And you see kitty litter over there just showering naked. And 
you know, and then you're just scrubbing, but you have to hit this little button about, you know, belly button level to keep the water running every 30 seconds. You have to hit it to keep the water going. Oh no. Even the showers are like the sinks. Yes. Oh, I couldn't do that. I mean, I have photos that I have posted on social media. It was the, it was like the Saw franchise. In, I'm not even exaggerating. It was the dirtiest, you know, because it's it's in the middle of, you know, Wisconsin in their off season. So they don't have to clean it. And I'm sure we didn't pay a ton to be there. But, you know, so it's just not kept up. And we're just in there showering. And also drag queens are kind of dirty. So yeah, well, I not mean, all of them. You're packing on all that powder all day, yeah. every day. It's The excess has to go somewhere. Correct. And it's and usually caked up against the wall. Yeah. So that was like 5 a.m. Then you get ready. You have to be ready to film at 8 in the morning because we film our breakfast like as we're eating. So some mornings it was like a hot meal and some mornings it was a hot pocket or a, uh, a pop tart. And then you would start, you know, doing a high ropes course at 9 a.m. in full drag, <laughs> which is crazy. And how long were the days? Um, our longest day, we did a 22 hour shoot the first day Oof. because there was a rainstorm coming. And we had to like do everything outside for the first two episodes in one day. Ooh. So we did like, we did the first full day. Then we did half the day. We did the high ropes course and everything. And then we shot a bunch of runways and um, like campfire scenes all in one day. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was long. That was a very long. And that, that was like, okay, we did it. But it, you just keep getting more exhausted as the, the competition goes on. Uh-huh. Well, that's even harder. like, even with, with like drag race, you know, you go in and everybody is so excited to meet everybody else that first day. Like we're raring to do the first challenge. We're like, let me hit the runway. I'm going to slay. And then <laughs> three or four episodes in, you're like, oh my God, I just, can I lay right here on the yeah. runway and take yeah. a fucking nap? There is a photo of us all, what, 12 of us from episode one. We're standing there in, on the little like runway thing. We're waiting to be judged, and I am literally asleep. I'm not asleep, but I'm asleep on the inside. I'm just <laughs> dead. And everyone else is so animated, and I'm just like, meh. <laughs> Noel, you are your mother's child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I know that Camp Wanakiki really kind of prides itself on no drama and all that. That's great. But, girl, mm-hmm. we want the tea. Was there drama behind the scenes? I'll say it because I, I think I'm out of contract now. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I read your contract before you went. It was one year. You're good. Um, there was only one. Okay, there was that. Maybe there was two, two little snippets of drama. One was never aired or never even seen by anyone, and the other one was seen and not aired. So one was um, Xenon TV, who was uh, oh my gosh, what's her original drag name? Do you remember? Well, she is my daughter. She you is remember? your sister. <laughs> well, she goes by Zine on TV now. So she's on. She does. She does. So that's all that matters. She's on the season. And um, there was uh, her episode that she was eliminated on was a crafting challenge. And uh-huh. it was Christmas themed. And her assistant was um, Carly Unitum Clyde. And apparently. Who I have re- such a crush on. Really? Yes. Do tell. I want to know why. Well, I just think that they are very attractive and very funny. Very funny. Uh, and I saw nothing but butt crack and everything else because we were sleep. We slept next to each other. So uh, I'm the jealous. sheets never covered her at all. Ah, I'm very <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I was. She was great to be sleeping next to. Very quiet, which is wonderful. 
and warm. Anyway, and well, I don't know. We didn't get to cuddle. I didn't cuddle with anyone the entire season. Ah, uh, that's boring. I know everybody else was sharing, you know, and for the because it was very cold. So, but not us, not me. I was over alone in my little bed. <laughs> so, did you really get to sleep in like the little queen bed? That wasn't that your season where yeah, they did like the little queen yeah. cot. <laughs> yeah. So, if you won the episode, you got to sleep in a special bed with like nice sheets and like a bug net and hamburger Mary merch all over it. No, that was literally five days later. They just shot everyone at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's very fake. Very so you think women get to sit to sleep in the good bed? No, I would have rather had slept in like the bathroom where the toilet worked. Like I just wanted a running water and toilet. Like that's all I wanted. <laughs> Instead of having to go down the hill while it's snowing to shower. Well, that part. That yeah. part. At least you could just belly flop and like roll down to it oh. if you got tired. I would Snapchat my mom and be like, good morning. Oh, because we got to keep our phones. I know. I was so jealous. Because <laughs> it was know. like, you hadn't even been gone a day and I got a text message. <laughs> yeah, I was like, help, I need I need advice. What should I do? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. Do whatever they tell you to do. It was too late at that point. Dance for um, grandma. So just Xenon basically blamed Carly for her outfit, which I thought her outfit was amazing anyway. I think... I thought I still think it was one of the better outfits that episode, but I agree. I absolutely do agree. I was a little taken aback, um, yeah, by the fact that it was not well received. But she full out blamed her on camera um, that it was her fault. If she had a better partner or something along that line, she would have. Um, I know. I don't. The words are very different, but something along that line, and we were all like, "What?" And then they got into it off camera. It was really. Epic. They really did. Oh, and they didn't film it? They didn't film any of it. None of it. We were like, this is it. This is where we all get famous from this moment. <laughs> right? That's the thing. I, I understand having been on both sides of it, having been like on the receiving and the giving end of the drama for a mm-hmm. reality television thing. I understand how you don't necessarily want to cultivate that you don't want to put that out in the world it's not nice the way people treat you um but it's also entertainment mm-hmm. and i feel like um there was a reason that drag race and dragula really kind of took off after their after the first couple of seasons because there's a balance there's there's good and there's bad and there's everything in between yeah and it feels like when you watch the contestants you relate to them the mm-hmm. good the bad and the ugly yeah. And with with uh, things like like Camp Wanakiki, um, at least I'll say for the first two seasons, because I felt like season three kind of veered a little more into drama. But yes, I felt did. like it was a little too Pollyanna. Correct. It was trying to present. Uh, it, it was too Instagram and not enough Twitter. You know what I mean? Well, there's like, no reality in it. People are giving us feelings. the gloss and the happiness. You're not giving us any of the depth below it. Correct. I mean, that argument wasn't really an argument. I mean, it, it got a little heated, but like, it's an honest argument, you know, maybe so-and-so made that outfit and that's what they hated about the outfit. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's the queen or king who presents that outfit. It's on them. And then what was the other bit of drama? Um, it's personal drama. Uh, again, it was me. I was really angry because I came in to the hoedown challenge. I came back from filming like the mini challenge and all the other eliminated contestants had made Diana fire a brand new outfit. They rhinestoned it and fixed it 
and because she kept getting slack that our outfits were too not basic but kind of just you know pedestrian Pedestrian. yeah Yeah. so they really rhinestoned it and like amped it up a lot and i was like i have spent so much time and money on my outfits and now diana could beat me in this challenge because 10 other people just helped her all day long where they didn't help any of the other contestants so i didn't go off but i almost did and i was like "Mm, keep it in keep it in you don't want to be the evil queen but I don't see. I don't think that that's evil. But of course, that's that's very much how I feel in certain situations too, where you bust your ass to make sure that you're doing the absolute best that you can do with what you're given, and you see other people being. It's a bad way to say it, but handed things that you were not correct. And it doesn't seem like it's fair. It doesn't feel like you're on a level playing field. It's it's exactly that. And I mean, my outfit for that episode was amazing, and I, I should not even have freaked out about it, but it was just that it wasn't fair. And and that's how I feel a lot of times, and I got a lot of flack, um, uh, especially after season seven, you know, because there were things that I was noticing where I was like, it's not fair that I am literally and and not just me there was a group of us that were busting our ass and doing the best that we could and getting ripped apart for it Mm -hmm. and then another group who didn't put in the effort and was kind of handed things yeah and it was just about the balance in it it wasn't about we're better than they are or they're better than it. it was never about any of that it was always about i just want this to be fair at the end of the day, they're both competitions. And so we're all going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I also came from a pageant background where, you know, things are not always fair, but you have a little more leeway to call it out. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, a lot more leeway. Mm-hmm. And I think after season seven, it was such a learning experience for me that when I went back, uh, not for All Stars 2, because I was just not in the right headspace to do that. But for All Stars 6, I was like, you know what? Whether it's fair or not, whether I am prepared or not, whether they're prepared or not, whatever, I'm having a good time and I'm doing some drag. Yeah, and I, you could definitely see that on your season. You're, not only were your looks like you, but they were amped up. You had, I mean, you had so much fun. It wasn't a competition every episode. It was you doing what you do best. Yeah, well, I realized, oh, I'm in competition with me. Yeah. And nobody else, because whatever Kylie wore on the runway was never going to look the same on me and vice versa. Whatever Eureka wore was not going to be what Raja wore. So I think going into into a competition setting with the mindset of, I'm doing me, and I got to just be better than I've ever been, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really helped me emotionally. That's my new thing in life, too, because no matter what pageant or what I do next, I just want to do my best and improve me. That's it. So you not only won season two of Camp Wanakiki, you've won several pageants. You are now known all around Orlando as you know, one of the bingo queens. You do this, that, <laughs> the other. Like, you do all sorts of different bingos and different shows as well. But yeah. um, your speciality has become bingo. Which and is so weird. <laughs> but it's fun. It, no, it it's fun. not weird because a lot of people think drag queen bingo is easy. Oh it's one gosh, of the no. hardest things that you will ever do because yeah. it's you and a microphone for two hours. Yeah. You have You're to alone. not only be a hostess, you have to push the whole night forward. Yeah. You can't take a break. So it's a really difficult do- job to do. And I think that that's why whenever people are good at it, 
Mm-hmm. They end up getting called by every booker in town going, hey, yeah. I need you to come do bingo here too. Because it's not about the it's not about pulling the balls or calling the balls out. It's about the entertainment between the balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't everything. The truth. But you also, uh, our paths crossed once more professionally with with Virgin Voyages. Yep, the Adult by Design cruise line. Yeah, I had been hired as as like a spokeswoman um, pre-launch of the ship. Oh, yeah. So I did like a bunch of videos and online content. I think I did a training video or something. Ah, for that. I never got to see that. Uh, well, it probably wasn't any good. <laughs> they <laughs> were giving that. us all of those CBD infused cocktails all day. Never made it to the ship. Uh, they Those didn't? No, the CBD bar never made it. Oh, well, it made it to the shoot. <laughs> and we were so fucked up. I, they abandoned me on that that uh, paddleboard <gasps> in the ocean for like forty five minutes. No, with me and a bottle of champagne, nope. and I was like, uh, I think I'm nope. gonna get eaten by Jaws. That is my worst um, nightmare. It was not fun. It was <laughs> fun in, in hindsight, but in the moment, it was not. Um, but then once the 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 ship got. Um, once the ship set sail, once it was released into the world, you got hired as the diva. I was. I was the original diva for them. I did the workshop in Orlando. So after you did all your press stuff, they had auditions and I went and I walked again, I walked in the room and it felt right. They all were staring at me like this person is exactly who we wanted. And they called me like two weeks later. I was at DragCon in LA and they were like, hey, do you want to, to be our diva for the workshop? And I was like, cool. So they had it in Orlando because of me. They were like, we'll just do it here and focus on the diva's character because she's kind of like the cruise director on the ship. She is the face of the brand. and She's the Julie of that love boat. (laughs) She really is. So we were doing the workshop in the second week. They pulled me aside and there was a little video camera and all the producers were there and they said, we would like to offer you to be the very first diva for Virgin Voyages. And I just started crying a little bit because, you know, you see drag race and every drag queen on, and not, you know, not just drag race, but big drag queens who make it successfully. They're usually a size two or, you know, a thinner queen. So the fact that a plus size queen is going to be the first drag queen for a $9 billion cruise ship or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. huge company for Virgin. I literally was like, just mind blown that they would pick me. Um, to do it and i'm not like a split i don't do the splits or the the cartwheels or anything like that either so to have a comedy queen get out there and be the face of the ship so i just started crying and i thanked them for that and i said thank you this is you know life-changing and they said we want to make you just like rupaul and i will never unhear you know unhear that and then i got to the ship after doing the workshop and it was the hardest thing i have ever done in my life like it really was, yeah, you were in drag at 7 a.m. and you were out of drag at 3 a.m. And you did show after show after show. You did a four-hour brunch. You did a uh, you know two-hour uh, this show. You'd host an ice cream social. You go to dinner like this because you're in makeup all day long. Mm-hmm. So when you walk around the ship, you're not just Joe who happened to do the production show. You're the diva. And yes, you're on your way to take a 30-minute lunch break, but you're still the diva yeah. at all times. So you're always on and uh, which is actually kind of cool because when we were in England doing press and stuff like that, they wanted photos with you. And I'm in all of these photos and you're, you know, you're the share of the ship. Yeah. It was so cool and so much work. 
but um, I won't, I don't regret any of it. I do regret like the wigs peeling my skin off and all the cuts and bruises I got from it. But uh, then the pandemic hit while I was on the ship. Yeah. So I remember talking to you while you were there and you were kind of stuck and you didn't know if you were going to be able to come home or not. Yeah. Like, what was the tea with that? How did that all go down? Okay. So we left Italy five days prior to Italy's lockdown. We had no working TVs on our ship. So we didn't know a pandemic was happening. I'm not even joking. Wow. Our entire ship, our crew had no idea that anything was going on. We were out in Italy eating all the carbs, all the bread. We got on the ship. We did this huge press thing. We pull out and we're in rehearsal because we're going to do, you know, we're going to England to do this media with Richard Branson. So we're not worried about anything but getting the ship up to, you know, what it needs to be. And so we go to England and all of a sudden we hear some, a little buzz here and there, but TVs aren't still, they're not working. So we go to our next city, nothing. And then all of a sudden we're, we have 800 guests on who are invited press and things like that. We're on our like, transatlantic five days in there's an announcement i'm in the middle of drag brunch so when when that happens you know you're i think i was doing nine to five by dolly parton live <laughs> i'm working nine to five and then all of a sudden when announcement on a cruise ship happens all audio systems stop so i'm lip syncing and then all of a sudden there it is the the head of the company not the captain comes over the pa and he's ladies and gentlemen i have to apologize we're not going to new york city we have to be um, rerouted to Miami to get you all off safely due to the global pandemic that is happening. And we're like, global pandemic? <laughs> I, I got to finish brunch. I don't have time for a global pandemic. So the guests were very angry. Um, and, you know, Virgin took care of them and stuff like that. So we get to Miami. How long had you been on the, the ship so far? Um, at, at that point, I hadn't been off the ship when I got off the ship in Miami, I hadn't been off the ship in 27 days. The transatlantic was 14 of those days. Okay. If that makes sense, because I was yeah. in rehearsal so much. Yeah. Um, so I got off the ship in Miami um, after a full day of CDC inspection and, and Coast Guard inspection. No COVID, nothing like that yet. So we get off the ship and I go to a Dunkin' Donuts and I just start crying because I was like, oh, Dunkin', I can... You know, something American. And I don't know. It was very stupid, but it, it touched me. We went to the beach. We had a day. Then we get back on the boat and go to Bimini, our little private island. And then there's a buzz happening around the ship that this pandemic is really bad. And we're not going to be getting off the ship anytime soon. So we're in our private island and stuff like that. And there, all of a sudden, we see other cruise ships starting to get stranded and not being able to port in Miami. So they make this announcement on a Sunday. I remember it well. And it was an all crew announcement and they were basically letting all of us go and they were going to have to put the launch because we had a week left before our launch. Okay. They're going to put the launch on hold and um, we'll see, see everyone in May because this was March. So we'll be back in May and we'll, you know, we'll be, we'll be fine in May. So they were like, if you're an American citizen, you can get off the ship in two days. And it was the craziest thing because I walk up to, they take your passport from you when you work on a cruise ship. They basically oh. control your identification and stuff like that. Okay. So you walk up to the little desk and they just, if you're American, you just take your passport and walk off. Anyone else from any other country, they put you on a bus. Oh, you're British. You're going on to this bus. And they literally police escort you to the the gate on your, on your flight. Wow. It's very like high security. And I got, and I just walked off the ship with my luggage and 
I still to this day have not been back to the ship. The diva is still not on the ship um, because of the pandemic, but the ship is now up and running um, at a modified entertainment. So it's, it's happening. Things are happening. It's very COVID safe. Um, but brunch and the diva's position had to be changed a bit because drag queens do work pretty close with other humans. So yeah. As we have learned through the pandemic, as we have learned, I mean, I was feeding people ice cream every day. Yeah. It was great. Ice cream. That's so crazy. So, so you, you get off of the ship and you think, Oh, maybe it's going to be two weeks. It (laughs) turns into almost a year and a half. Yeah. What was your thought then? What like because you would work so hard and you got this full time gig, yeah, that was gonna like pay you the money and keep you busy for a long time. Yeah, I was like, I'm set now. I don't need to do anything else. And I came home and I was like, okay, this is gonna be a little bit longer than two months. So I started making a little like digital drag room and I started working on my costumes. And then I would say early fall, I was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So I started reaching out to some businesses that I um, that I've worked at before, like Cocktails and Screams. It's a Halloween bar in Orlando, and things were starting to open back up a little bit in Orlando with restrictions. And so I was, they were like, "Let's do a Hocus Pocus show." So we did that, and then uh, April Fresh, who is a local queen here in Orlando, she got called by um, this company in Orlando. Hey, will you um, put together a drag brunch? She says, "I'm too busy." but I can give you a queen who would be perfect for you. And so I had a meeting with the Estefans and um, I got hired to be the full-time show director for Estefan Kitchen. When you say the Estefans, tell our people who you're talking about. So I work for Gloria and Emilio Estefan. They own um, a beautiful restaurant in Central Florida called Estefan Kitchen. Um, And it's a Cuban restaurant. But during the pandemic, obviously they opened a month prior to the pandemic starting. When they open back up in the fall, business is not booming because it's still a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were like, how can oh, we do technically something? Technically we're Florida. So we never even got COVID. If you ask our governor, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're very stressed. Two you're weeks right. in Mickey Mouse was like, Hey, I've got a van full of puppies and candy. If you want to come with me. <laughs> it's literally the truth. It's the it, truth. it was insane. It's still, it blows my mind. Oh, every, every time I go out in public right now, it blows my mind. Yeah. Terrible. But- Anyway, so uh, business isn't popping at that point. Correct. So they want to put together a drag brunch. So they wanted to put together a drag brunch because their one daughter or their daughter is um, a lesbian, very open. And they wanted to do something that the brand has really, I mean, she's had drag queens and stuff before, but they wanted to take the Estefan brand and really do something for the gay community. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, let's do a drag brunch and see how this works. Well, we, we did it. And it's almost been a year. I think we have a couple weeks left. Um, and it will be a year. And it's last weekend was our most popular brunch. It was almost packed. Like, and it's a big restaurant. It is a very big restaurant. Very big. I've, so, I've, I've worked there a couple times with you. It's, yeah. it's like running a marathon to get around the restaurant. It is. A five-minute number will not get you to every table. It will not. <laughs> no. It's a big restaurant. But it's doing quite well. And uh, so it's nice to have the Estefans on my side. And and now I'm a show director at Cocktails and Screams, putting up live stage shows as well as hosting a horror bingo and things like that. And um, I now, it's so weird, during the pandemic, I've become this bingo queen and I literally work five to seven nights a week in drag now. You do. Which I never did prior to the pandemic. And it's kind of nice when you can do it on your terms and your schedule, right? Yes, it's wonderful. 
Yeah. So uh, before we go, it's been such a great chat. I want to ask you four questions that I ask all of our guests. Okay. I'm a big fan of this podcast, so I know them. Oh, well, perfect. Well, number one (laughs) is... Tell me what number one is. Mommy forgot. No. Uh, um, oh my god! It is. Um. What do you? How do you describe a local queen? Yes. What is your definition okay. of a local queen? I think a local queen is someone who busts their butt, gig to gig. You know, three shows in one night, has all the outfits packed in a bag, and just keeps going. And someone who, um, there's so many amazing Orlando local queens, but uh, Ray Light, April Fresh, Addison Taylor, like these are. Uh, local queens who do every single gig and say yes to everything and make it happen and pay the bills doing Mm -hmm. drag. So to me, that's what a local queen is. What was your proudest moment in drag? Ooh, um, winning Camp Wanakiki, but in front of my mother and you at the same time. So both you, Ginger Minge, were in the room and my actual bio mother was there and I got to like feel like I made you both proud. You did. It was a great day at the Hamburger Marys. At the Hamburger Marys. (laughs) What is your most embarrassing moment in drag? Oh, it was recent. Um, I was doing Frankenfurter at a live production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. In the very first show, um, Frankenfurter is dying. And I'm like, oh, you know, I hammed it up. And I'm, oh, mommy's dying here. And I I go down. And I'm like, what is happening with my shoe? So we'd finished the show almost. I'm dead. And I'm like, what is going on with my shoe? So I'm on the ground and I'm looking. My entire red, you know, knee-high boot has disintegrated on stage. <laughs> the heel is over there. The plat thing is over there. The front is over there. And I'm like, how How did I do that entire solo with the shoe in pieces? That happened to me when I played Frankenfurter and I had those knee-high red boots. <gasps> no. I think it's a scandal. I think they're out to get us. What? Because hey, really? I, and it was like the same place it was right after I'm going home. Yeah. It was right there. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing so it just peeled yeah. off. Yeah, so a fan came up after the show and she was like, can I have your shoe? Will you autograph it? I'm putting it on my Rocky Horror Mantle. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is my life? <laughs> I've named her Kelly, Kelly Mantle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. All right, and then what would your advice be to anyone out there that's looking to start up a career as a local queen? Um, do your homework. So it's you know, something I wish I had been told, and I probably was told by you, but um, you're not going to get the gigs tomorrow. So go to the gigs and drag, do your homework, watch other queens, find someone that you aspire to be and and study them and make the show that you want, but make it your own. So don't copy someone, just make it your own, find what you're good at and do you. It doesn't have to be a copy of someone else or a or drag race girl. Tora mm-hmm. Hyman is Tora Hyman, Ginger Minge is Ginger Minge. So find your brands and do it well. That is perfect advice. And it's advice that I give to all my kids, all my children, uh, and anybody who asks me. It's like, you can't be me because I, I'm already me. Like, yeah. I can't be Roxy Andrews as much as I would love to look like her. <laughs> I would never be Roxy Andrews because that's what she does. It's not what I do. You have to find your strength and run with it. Yeah. I mean, I I wish I had realized what my strength was, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I Who knows where I would be? I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with who I am now, but... I I reached there and I was like, oh my gosh, you've been this person all along. But that's, that's the fun of it. That's the journey. That's when you appreciate it. Yeah. Because if you, you jump into something and you just happen to be good at it. And so it's handed to you, you don't give a shit. 
mm-hmm. could throw it away the next day. But if you have to bust your padded ass to get there, mm-hmm. you appreciate every moment. Every oh my moment. gosh. So true. So true. Mm. All right. Well, I have one more question for you. Yeah. And that is where can all of our followers, all of our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Tora Hyman. Hi, man. I can't even speak. It's T-O-R-A-H-I-M-A-N, like hi, man. Also on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. I'm all over, but I love the Instagram and the TikTok. So find me on those. Oh, TikTok. I told you I had a story about my TikTok. Yeah. I didn't even know I had a TikTok. My husband started it in what? my name and no. just followed me around during the pandemic, like filming me doing stupid shit. No. And busted it. And then when, when the season started, he was like, oh, hey, you're this this got uh, 500,000 views. Oh, yeah. look, you're at 2 million views. I'm like, on what? On no. TikTok. Oh, my gosh. I, I would have never known. I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, now I know, and knowing is half the battle. Uh, as always, you can find me across all social media platforms. Just go to gingerminge.com and you can find all of the links to all of my social media there. Tora, thank you for coming on this podcast. You know, I'm always so proud of you. I always love you so much. And I can't wait to get out there and see you. I would give you a hug, but you're out there slaying the game right now. So you're uh, too busy for mom. You as well. You're traveling the world. <laughs> well. I have to strike while the iron is hot. Uh, girl, <laughs> oh, and also, hot. everybody, make sure you go get your reversible ginger minge confessional crowns available at iHoney. iHoney. Oh, no, I'll post the link. Just go look for the link. Until next time, remember to support your local queens because those are your hometown sheroes.